Good morning, and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I welcome you to this day of worship, Sabbath, and celebration. As we edge ever more into the fall, we are reminded again that this is God's world, and for that, we give thanks. So I invite you to join us as we celebrate and worship today our God of joy, grace, and love. Come on in. Our first reading today comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken from the book of Revelation. We started in Genesis, and our second reading is in Revelation. We're covering all the ground today. So we're in chapter 22, verses 1 through 7. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, for the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
August 15th through the 18th, 1969, was Woodstock. That pivotal music festival in upstate New York, that Rolling Stone called number 15 in the 50 greatest music events that changed music uh, in the United States. Uh, anybody there? I always ask. I always want to see. Okay. So Joni Mitchell was a singer-songwriter at that time, was hitting her strides in the 70s, and was just beginning her life and her public uh, music career. She wasn't able to be at Woodstock because she had just had her first interview and she was afraid she would miss the Dick Cavett show, which she was getting ready for the next day. And her manager, after watching some of the news of what was a, a glorious mess, is one way to say that, she was afraid, uh, her manager was afraid they wouldn't be able to get her out and to that interview on, on time. So she didn't go. But she wrote a song called Woodstock that Crosby, Stills, and Nash re-recorded along with some other groups. And the first verse and chorus go like this. I came upon a child of God. He was walking along the road. When I asked him, where are you going? This he told me. I'm going down to Yasker's farm. Think I'll join a rock and roll band. I'll camp out on the land. I'll try to set my soul free. And the chorus goes, we are stardust, we are golden, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. We are stardust, we are golden, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Clearly what Miss Mitchell was talking about was the Garden of Eden. I mean, who doesn't know that? Well, she probably doesn't because I'm not sure that's what she meant, but that's what we're meaning today. Getting back to the garden. Uh, the, the verse that Laz read to you this morning was indeed the creation story, telling us about different things that were happening there, especially the trees of all kinds. There were two particular trees that were pointed out. One was the tree of life and the other the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right, so we have Adam and Eve who were created there. They were created in that original pristine place with the presence of God. And that old serpent came, tempted both of them, Eve, then Adam, and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as part of their punishment, they were moved out of the garden. We see this as one point in our history of inheriting this sin from generation to generation, just as our rebellious nature exists, which I think we all know and would agree, started here at the garden. John Steinbeck, in 1952, wrote his book, East of Eden, based on what happens right after this in chapter 4 of Genesis with Cain and Abel. 
As you will remember, Cain and Abel were brothers, and Cain grew things, and Abel raised things. So Abel raised animals, and those sacrifices Abel gave to God, and God favored Abel over Cain. So Cain kills Abel, and God pushes him out even farther, and Steinbeck got the name of his his book, East of Eden, from that passage, when Cain was forced east to the land of Nod to the east of Eden. And in that book, it's very symbolic of what happens with the sibling rivalry and and parents uh, and two sons that are vying for the attention of their father and one favors one over the other, and then what happens as a result, east of Eden. The larger point I've heard made is that from that first moment when we were pushed out of Eden, the rest of the Bible is concerned with getting back. Back to that original place of paradise. Back to that original place where God dwelt among them. Now, this image of the tree of life is interesting because God sends out Adam and Eve after they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they said, before they get to the tree of life, we need to move them out of the garden. And so that's what he does. God moves them out. And part of that, I think, is for their own good, as that tree of life held the opportunity to, of eternal life and life with God. And God didn't want them to threaten themselves by acting in a way that they didn't and couldn't understand at the time. The tree of life is in both of our passages today. I'm sure you picked it up. In the very beginning in creation, and then fast forward all the way to Revelation, to the last chapter in the last book of the Bible, we have these bookends of the tree of life. And right in the middle of the book of Proverbs, there are four chapters that mention the tree of life also, 311, 13, and 15. And so this image of the tree of life is one that continues throughout the biblical story. So what does that exactly mean for us? Well, what does the tree do? Just like any plant, like any tree, it is meant to bloom. If we remember those passages when Jesus was near his crucifixion, his arrest and eventual resurrection, he cursed the fig tree that he and the disciples passed. Why did he do that? Why did he curse the fig tree? Because it wasn't bearing fruit. Right. What was the fig tree's express job in being created? To bear fruit. So by its construction, by its creation, its origination, its design, it was to bear fruit and it wasn't. And it was Jesus showing them right before he was about to leave them, what was important is that they bear fruit in his name. If you remember those, uh, that great passage from John 15, 5, 
where Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I abide in you and together we will bear much fruit. And if that didn't drive the point, the next verse will, because apart from me, you can do nothing. One of my favorite verses. Abide in me and I in you. I'm divine, you are the branches. Together we will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. In this symbol of the tree of life, one of those things is that this tree is meant to bear fruit. Fruit in the beginning at creation. Fruit that sustained through the middle journey of our relationship with God. And then fruit at the end as Revelation looks toward what will be and what will become in this new heaven and new earth that Revelation talks about right before our verse today. That tree is still bearing fruit. But it's the leaves that I find interesting. If we look back, there's a small definition here of what the tree does. It's on either side of the tree of life. 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. So it's doing what that part of itself was created to do. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The leaves on the tree are for the healing of the nations. As we pause to think about those whom we have loved and lost today and those who are saints among us, And in our belief, a saint is anyone who seeks to follow Christ and those who have died in Christ that have been brought home already. So as Vicki said before, you, dear ones, are saints. Turn to the person next to you and say, hello, saint. Okay, saint, turn to the other side. Hello, saint. It's hard for us to believe sometimes because we put such lofty criteria on the word saint. Had to be somebody that wrote one of the gospels or who did amazing things in the Bible that showed tremendous faith. Guess what all those people in the Bible showed? Most of them first, a lack of faith, a distrust of God. And sure out rebellion when they did not want to do what God called or told them to do. And yet, God used them for God's amazing work as God continues to do. So those who have gone on shared their faith, their life, their love to get us through Christ to the phase where we are today. When you saw that person in your mind that Vicky made you think about and you closed your eyes, think of that person again. What is it about that person or people that made them special to you in faith, that made them a saint to you? The great thing about these leaves on this tree of life is that we get to participate as they did. Those saints that lived their faith that brought us to this point with God's help. 
But today we are called to be those leaves. The leaves are called to heal the people of the nations. What a specific command. And we are not the tree, but Christ can be seen symbolically as this tree of life there at creation, there through this relationship. And certainly in the end, we fully believe, as God told us, that he will be there to bring us home. But the healing of the nations through that tree, those leaves, I believe we are called to be that presence. Those saints in your lives, they shared their faith or you wouldn't have thought of them. They shared their love for Christ in some way or they wouldn't have appeared in your mind. Will others look at you as saints now and later? How will they judge or look and see, well, they say they, I know they went to church, but I never really saw anything about the way they lived their life that made me think that they really believed what they said. Or we talk, we go to, Sunday, we go to church every week. This is true in my, in my case. We went to church every Sunday, but we never really talked about it at home. We never really integrated or had those conversations that I recall. The things that I remember about my parents are the way that they sought to love and care for others in Christ's name. They were the leaves in that tree, and we are being called today to be the same. Are we just a building 191-ish years on the corner of 1st and 11th here in Columbus, Georgia? Are we meant to come in, do good things together, and then leave it and go about our business? No. Our job is to look at this tree of life and want to be a part of it through Christ. For if we just are faithful in this place, we are not bearing fruit. We are called to go into the world, into our schools, into our classrooms, into our places of business, into our families, our friendship groups, those uh, groups that we are leading or a part of, volunteer groups, those stations in life that we are called to bear witness to Christ's love and grace, joy and peace. Well, how do we do that? Well, really with everything that we do. As a church family, our job is not just to sit in the status quo, our job is to grow. We've been talking a lot about that the last few weeks. Before our church can grow, each of us needs to see that we have to grow in our relationship with Christ, and then together we will be seeking, we will be leading, we will be following, we will be taking that love of Christ out into the world that may not understand it or may misunderstand it. Today we'll put these shoeboxes together. What difference is that going to make in the world? It's a shoebox with little 
doodads and gadgets in it, little toys. What difference does that make once it reaches its goal? Well, the difference it makes is that that is an inroad for them to understand the love of Jesus Christ. And maybe they haven't been told about Christ, or maybe someone who didn't understand told them something different than we want to show them about Christ. You'll have a chance to write a little note to them, and they're going to get that who knows where around the world, and they're going to look, and they'll say, Dick and Dixie Olson wrote me a letter. Who are these people? I don't even know, but they're a part of my church family, and for some reason... They did this for me. I need to find out a little bit about why this is special to them. Why did they take the time and energy and share their time, resources to get this to me? And from there, they are counseled. They are brought in to local churches and told and shown the love of Jesus Christ. It is important what we do today in these shoeboxes, but that is one small way. We are called to the larger understanding that when we go from this place, we are the leaves on that tree. How do we grow as a family so that we continue to move out of complacency or staying just status quo? We do what God asked of us, and that is to fully give ourselves to God. That is our time. And we need every one of you. That is your talent that the Holy Spirit gave to each one of you. And we need all of it. And it is your finances as God gave that to you as a gift to share with this church family and the world. Stewardship is not just about money. Stewardship is giving all that we are back to God. And yes, we pay the lights and we do this and we do that, but it is to empower the ministry of Jesus Christ in this church that radiates out to the world so we can be a tree of life right here on the corner of 1st and 11th to Columbus, Georgia, to the state of Georgia, to the United States, and to the world. So as we contemplate our stewardship this year. We want all aspects of you and us to grow, to bear more fruit, because that is our design. That is what God created us to be and to do. So as those who have been called to be trees, to be leaves on the tree of life, Let us fill ourselves with courage. Let us see that it's not about us. It is about God and it is about taking that love of Christ into the world. And the more that we are able to grow our ministry, the more that we need you in a variety of ways to join us as the Spirit is prompting us. So let us be courageous. Let us say we are going to grow and let us do this Together, for it is our call today. Hallelujah. Amen.